What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. know what time it is it is of course another episode of the next film school podcast i am here for you in solidarity um in what has been uh, a tough weekend that we just had um jonathan macri of course with my sunday co-host um jeremy cohen jeremy how are you doing man it just feels like the giants tim hardaway jr themselves in orlando <laughs> it feels like Feels like Carl Anthony Towns is inevitable, or at least the odds were very good. And uh, it's, I mean, Chase Young, whatever, you know. It happens. It happens to the best of us. Um, yeah, I guess it does. As I was telling you before we before we started recording, um, I'm in a picks pool that is coming down to the last week, and I've been in first place all season. And I um, am the one person at the top of the leaderboard who took Cincinnati today. And I had I had crossed them off because they were down by a million points in the fourth quarter. And sure enough, I look at my phone before we go to record and it's tied in overtime with two minutes left. And um, you were kind enough to inform me as my phone was not updating uh, that Cincinnati did indeed lose. So it's like they stuck the dagger in twice, which is always fun. You love that. It's just it's a wonderful. It's a wonderful feeling. Um Okay, so we're recording this on Sunday night. The Knicks played uh, a Friday night game, and they played a Saturday night game. Um, we don't have to spend a whole lot of time talking about the games themselves. I think um, there was a lot of conversation going on on Twitter this morning, especially much of it spurred by uh, Knicks Film School himself, JB, um, about how you know, essentially whatever good or bad is happening under Mike Miller is essentially meaningless. And I think there's a large segment of the fan base who would like to find some meaning in the things that are happening right now. Um, so I'll just open it kind of with a general question. What what meaning did you take from this weekend's games? Um, big picture, small picture, however you want to go. You know, the outcomes were expected, of course. I I just wish that there was a moment that the Knicks had a chance to really compete besides tip off. That was the biggest thing. <laughs> Wait, because getting it, getting it to within, uh, what was it? 14 points in the fourth quarter before Bud put his starters back in. That didn't do it for you. No, no, it did not. <laughs> Nor did the late charge in the fourth quarter against the heat where, yeah, uh, that was a thing. Portis was going off and yeah, no, it, um, it's deflating. I mean, it, I sat there watching the heat game feeling full of envy for, how beautiful the passing was. It seemed like they were just infectiously giving it up. And I just, it was a masterclass in how to distribute. And you look at the fact that I think it was Miami had something like 34 of 40 
goal, like they made 43 field goals or something, and 34 of them. I well, I remember in the first next to them, and then you just look at. Yeah, it was it was dead even. Yeah, in the I, first I, half for a while. In the first half, I think they assisted on like 22 of uh, like 25 field goals. I, I may be slightly off with that number, but um, it, it's it was it was something really good. And and look, they're they're the fifth best team in the league in terms of um, assist percentage. So that's you know not exactly a shock, but um, it was still. I think I'll second you in that it was it was still staggering to watch and just realize, oh my God, because, you know, you see the Knicks play some good games this year. You saw the Knicks play some decent games this year. You saw them play a lot of bad games. Um, and there were moments, you know, over the course of the season where you're like, oh, okay, you know, th- this isn't that far away. If you get a piece here, a trade there, a draft pick here, whatever. And then you just look at how a team like that plays and it's just, um, you know, it was almost like a different sport, I think, uh, at times. Yeah. And you know, the funny thing is that the Heat are kind of the um, the the antithesis of my whole point about how top five picks are for a team to succeed. Like, look <laughs> yeah. at the year that they went eleven and thirty, and then thirty and eleven. They wound up with Bam, and I would say that is a pretty damn good constant. Well, I mean, he, he's prize. looking like probably a top. I mean, Doncic is in a class of his own. Um, Aiton, TBD, TBD, but Bagley, TBD. Um, who am I for? Uh, Trey Young's, you know, is still above, but I, you could argue Bam's like the what third best rookie from that class, third, fourth best rookie from that class, something in that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially because he's contributing to winning basketball. Yes, he is. It's and so early on in his career. So yeah, again, you know, I mean, you don't need to, but the thing is that the the Heat do such a good job of scouting, and in terms of I I have confidence in them to find talent all across the board because Pat Riley's incredible. And Spolstra is a great coach, and they know what works for each other, and they they can fill in the gaps as necessary. And so, you know, of course, then trading a piece and uh, in uh, Richard and yeah, Richardson, right? Uh, yeah, well, Richardson and um, right. I'm trying and to and Hassan trade. Whiteside was part. Everything was it ended right. up being a three way deal, the right? Fourteen trade, yeah, fourteen trade. Okay, yes. Um, but you know that sort of thing where then they they got in a guy Jimmy Butler who was a star who of course was drafted 30th overall. It's the sort of thing where, and, and then the next night of course you have the same situation um, where basically you've got Giannis who was drafted 15th and you've got Chris Middleton who was a second round pick and all these different things where it just it it sucks in that you can also accumulate all these picks and it is super important to get those top picks and you just get your ass beat back-to-back nights in two different cities by teams that just found great drafting and did exceptional jobs of developing players. Yeah. And then you look at this team and, and you're like, okay, well, there, there are pieces in place here. I, I don't know if coaching is going to make a huge difference. You can see a slight difference or at least maybe not in the outcomes, but you can see statistically speaking, I know you've also pointed them out, especially on the defensive side between Fizz and Miller, but it's like, okay, well, I hope that they get there one day and yet – how how much confidence in the middle of a seven and what a 22 23 season is there right now with everything going on well and that, so uh, there's a lot of things i i don't want to step on what we're doing a little bit later in the podcast um with our our randall trade discussion but it's like you like the bucks are an a plus example of how you get a star and you build around the talents of of that star um and they did it 
as I think arguably as well as, as they could have possibly done. And obviously it took a little bit of luck to get him at 15. I mean, no, I don't think anybody thought he was going to turn into this. Um, but either way, like that's one path of team building. Um, we'll talk about the, we'll reflect back on the path the Knicks took this summer in a little bit, but then you have the heat, which is kind of the other path, which is that it's, it was almost the, the, the inverse, which is that, their style of play and their program and like the way they did things arguably, you know, and South beach obviously has something to do with it too. Um, arguably was what attracted Jimmy Butler to want to come to them, um, in the first place. And he's obviously, you know, um, elevated them to a new level. So it's like we have, there, there's different, different pads here, but both of them are just, a reminder that great organizations um, are kind of steeped in certain beliefs. And sure, you can you need a little bit of luck. Everybody needs a little bit of luck, um, but you, you need to have that baseline. And I think this weekend, if you know, and I think it's a big point, but I think it, there's not really much to say about it other than like it was a reminder on two fronts, right? It was a reminder that a on the court, this team is very, very, very far away from competing against the best of the league. And then that has certain implications for for how the rest of this year is going to play out and obviously how this summer might play out in terms of um, who they go and, and try to get um, and, and who they try to keep over the rest of the year. And then it also has obviously implications, or rather, let me take a step back. It was also a reminder that as an organization, they don't have that philosophy that you know, at this point yet is going to make a star be like, oh, I want to go play there um, for this, you know, very clear reason. And, um, you know, nor do they nor do they have the star to to build around um, at this point. So it was, you know, and I'll throw it back at you this. It, if you agree with me that that this weekend did serve as that reminder, do you think that that reminder was ultimately a healthy one for the, for the organization or, or is this kind of a downer to you? It's kind of just status quo at this point. You know, I mean, it, we enjoyed from a, an outcome perspective, a nice honeymoon with Mike Miller coaching versus in, in the change, the change off with fizz. But, you know, I mean, the, this team is still seven and 23. That's what they're staring at. And I think that playing against two teams, you knew were probably going to beat you down it's just it's it's deflating for sure. And then you've got I know the Washington game is going to be Bertans is out, which is huge, of course, for the Knicks. It's at home. You're playing in Brooklyn. You're playing in Washington. Playing at home against Portland. You've got a four game road trip out west again. Come back for the Pelicans. You play the Heat. I mean, if you look at all the games again until the deadline, which is really I guess at this point what the team has to kind of keep doing. But at the end of the day, it's it's the over. There's too much evidence showing. Hey, I mean, of course, this isn't the team's year, but B, it's just like if you're that far away, how do you get closer? And it's not just by losing game. It's by acquiring assets. And if the assets – like I, I was thinking about this the other day with, with Marcus Morris, right? If Marcus Morris could put pen to paper and it made sense for him to sign a long-term contract – Which is not allowed, but exactly. besides the point, yeah. Right. Then that would make a lot of sense for the Knicks. They'd be able to retain an asset and turn that into him. But because of the fact that there is no guaranteed way 
that they can lock him up for long term, you have to play the odds. And this is a guy who was supposed to go to the Clippers and backed out. You, supposed uh, to go to Spurs. the Spurs and backed out. And now he's with the Knicks. And so I understand that for a lot of Knicks fans, it's, it's, uh, there's a desire to keep him. But it's like this guy backed out on two, at least what we thought. Of course, the Spurs, think how much better the Spurs would be if they had Bertans didn't trade him and, and then lost out on him. Oh, my God, like, yeah. For, for two teams that are very good, you know, again, Spurs are not now. The reason why. Um, but two teams that are good, and he didn't even want to go there, and he went for the money. So if the money is comparable in other situations, why would he necessarily stay here? Why would free agents come here? You have to just think about it as New York clearly, as you're saying, it's like it's not a draw. So what is a draw? Winning's a draw. The weather. Well, not winning a draw. and but style of you know, play and like culture and all that other nonsense that we hear sure. about. Yeah. But we've but you know and I I I even wrote about this. You've written about this. It's like the sort of thing where we can talk about culture, but. I know my in my piece, the big thing for me was like, we can't get to the point where, and I know you agree with me on this, where moral, moral wins, wins out. It's like at a certain point, you have to have improvement. You have to grow. And in this type of a situation, it's like with, with Morris, okay, well, with no commitment whatsoever, with no nothing binding, how are you supposed to grow going forward? And if you're going to use your cap space as an asset, just kicking the can down the road and having – in fact, honestly, having your team be better than it would be without signing him in the first place and then just letting him walk feels to me like a classic Nick scenario where it's having veterans. The team does better than maybe it would have done and then that hurts them in the in draft positioning. And But just even from a, from a, a style of play and as, as opposed to like more of a macro thing going on, if we just look from game to game, the team feels more prepared – and I like the fact that Miller calls timeouts when things seem bleak. Like he doesn't let it grow. He just he kind of nips it in the bud and says, let's, yeah. let's tackle it right now. And there's also but, rotation consistency too that we've seen, course. which is nice. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I mean, like we could talk about the Hawks game. It was 143 points. I don't think we need to because that, that game spoke, it spoke for itself. Exactly. But, but in the sort of thing where you could say, oh, well, it's, it's the Hawks, but look, they put up the most points since what, 1980s? It's, yeah. You were seeing some improvements. Things do take time. Of course, it's it's not a lack of patience per se. It's just a matter of it comes down to the personnel, right? Yeah. And I think if you're looking at the personnel, for me, it's, well, who put the personnel there? And the fact is that that personnel is not meant to be on the team long term given the structure of the contracts. And I'm fine with the contracts. It's the personnel that I have a problem with. And that, of course, comes from the top. Yeah, you know, if if you would have told me that this weekend would have featured two incredibly close games. Um, maybe the Knicks eke out one of them and then they go on to like, uh, like win the next three, all of which are winnable. And they're something around the neighborhood of a 500 team from now until the trade deadline, maybe a little bit above that. Again, I'm speaking in this fantasy world that I've just literally constructed off the top of my head because that, that does not exist. But for argument's sake, if that was going to be the situation um, a, it would have been made possible with further um, improvements slash adjustments to their play style um, on both ends. Um, although I'm not really sure what much better they could be doing right now, given their personnel on defense. But, you know, on offense is stuff like Randall holding the ball a little bit less. Uh, Morris holding the ball a little bit less. I mean, there's still a little bit too much of that. Um, but even again, it's it's like I think what this weekend was a reminder of is. 
the gains that a coach is going to make ultimately with this particular roster are going to be incremental. Whereas for them to get to a point where they would be able to have turned this season into something akin to what we saw the Nets do last year, or even a poor man's version of what the Clippers did last year, which is those are the two teams like I think they were envious of going into or, or yeah, going into training camp. I think that that's the stuff that for me, at least like officially went out the window. It was a pipe dream to begin with. Now the pipe dream is, is gone. Um, And for that reason, like it's, I'm not saying that there wouldn't be like just to play devil's advocate. I'm not saying there wouldn't be a benefit to keeping Marcus Morris the rest of the year because he's good for the locker room. And he, um, despite the fact that he does hold the ball too much, he is, I think, beneficial ultimately for their style of play. Um, but it's not, it's not enough of a benefit to, at this point, given again what we continue to learn about this team, to outweigh the potential cost, which is, you know, obviously what you've been dancing around, which is trading him off or trading whoever off for um, a first round pick. Um, so on that note. Um, we're not going to talk about trading Marcus Morris on this podcast, although I'm sure we are going to talk about him on a podcast soon. I actually think we're going to talk about probably some different trade candidates, but the guy that I want to start, uh, talk about on this podcast is, is Julius Randall. Um, but before we do that, a quick word from our good friends, Jeremy, uh, it's Sunday night. So you know who I'm going to talk about. Um, it's our good oh, yeah. friends at vivid seats. Um, I am actually don't, don't tell my wife this. Can you keep a secret? I can. You can. Okay. I think I'm going to hop on Vivid Seats um, at some point before the new year and maybe get tickets to um, Jagged Little Pill, the new Alanis Morissette uh, Mm -hmm. Broadway musical. Have you heard of this thing? I have indeed. Are are you... So you were not born, I don't think, when Jagged Little Pill came out because you're um, 16. But are you familiar (laughs) with the songs? This is like generally, or is it still... Is yeah. It, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I, um, it's look, the, isn't it ironic? There's, there's so little actual irony in that song. It's, it's all just song. bad shit. It's just bad. Exactly. Shit it's just like, Oh, well yeah. it sucks. But you know, and then, um, uh, you ought to know. Yeah, I know. I know. I think a, the album actually jokes aside. The album I believe came out the year I was born. Okay. But, so, yeah. um, I think I'm going to do that. And of course I'm going to go on vivid seats to, to get those tickets because, um, of a lot of reasons. It's my top source for tickets to any events, not only theater, sports, whatever you want. They have the loyalty program, Vivid Seats Rewards. Um, I could get the app on the App Store or Google Play. I mean, I already have the app, obviously, but you could get the app on the App Store or Google Play, and you'll automatically be enrolled in the uh, loyalty program, and every purchase is backed by 100% buyer guarantee. Uh, most importantly, new users enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that Julius Randall did not get any Broadway tickets for, um, maybe a month or two months from now, because I am keeping hope alive that maybe the Knicks think about, entertain the notion of trading him. Um, before I get into my argument as to why I think they should do this, um, do you think that there's any chance in hell that they actually do? I don't want to say none, but I think it's incredibly slim that he goes anywhere. 
why do you think that? I mean, I think I, I think it's obvious, but I want to just I'm curious what you think. Yeah, well, it all depends on salary, not just matching, but it seems that the the Knicks mo front office wise is just hoarding cap space and not damaging future. And the fact that Randall is under a guaranteed contract next year, it makes him a lot harder to move. And I, my philosophy is if he's not going to net you anything positive, then there's no reason to trade him because I look at it sort of like the Batum situation. Interesting. You can really use any okay. of the, the con like Jang, you can use it really any of them, but it's sort of like, we're seeing teams or, or even the cat. Well, the cats aren't a good example because a lot of theirs are responding, but we're seeing bad teams that really aren't trying to move these assets. We even saw it last summer where very few of the, the big players went or it was kind of just like, um, it, there, there were what two salary dumps really. Um, I guess you could say technically three, if you count the one with the Hawks and the nets, but I look at last summer and the fact that it was maybe like, okay, well you could have a Hawks trailblazers type trade where it's Evan Turner and Bazemore, and it's like, well, neither player is that great, but maybe we can kind of do different things and and um, so, get a little creative here. So your thing is more they will not look to move him because it will be too hard to move him for something good. I, I was more thinking that they won't look to move him because it would basically be signing their own pink slips because he was the main prize of the summer. That was more my thinking. Yeah, I think it's both, though. Quite oh, frankly. yeah, no, no, it, it, for sure. But I think, I guess I'm thinking the, the latter... Um, is is the thing that will prevent them from actively exploring it, as, as opposed to what you're saying is more like they might explore it, and then the the moment they try to explore it, they they won't they, they won't like what their expedition party uh comes to find. Which I mean, right. we're yeah. picking nuts, but yeah. And also, I mean, we're looking at a summer where it's very depressing in terms of the talent that's available in the free agent market. Yeah, and we're going to see a lot of contracts come off the books and. A lot of teams could then say, okay, well, what's better? Having a 25-year-old Randall at around $19 million a year for one year, technically two, and then we just send him packing for $4 million. But by the, yeah, and, by oh, the way, that's not – that $4 million or three or whatever it is, that's not nothing because that's, no. that's a summer that teams are uh, – and thank Christ they got even that much um, on, on the, the non-fully guaranteed. But that's a summer that teams are going to be uh, counting every penny. But Sorry, go on. Yeah, and what also sucks is the fact that there's still Noah's six point three million stuck on the books. So, if if Randall's still in the Knicks and his contract isn't pick up, that's ten million dollars. Ten million dollars that's going that's cap. being lit on fire. Yeah, just right. So, I think that Randall does have value to a certain team. It just depends on what's the, what's the return. Well, and if the Knicks have to even yeah, we're gonna go through some teams. Um, yeah, but I, I just. I guess before we even get to that point, I'm, I'm one other thing I'm curious. So let's talk about him on the basketball floor. Um, I like how I just turned into talking head guy. Let's talk about him on the basketball floor. Um, fuck me. Um, sorry. Uh, he has been, I, I don't know how else to say this. He has been more good for the Knicks this year than he has been not good. Um, and if you don't believe me, I, I think, uh, 30 games is enough of a sample size to take um, on-off net ratings into um, maybe not completely to heart, but they they matter and they um, are a they're I think 3.1 points per hundred possessions if you consider offense and defensive rating better with him on the floor than without him. 
Um, and that's because, you know, I mean, of the obvious reasons. He's the only guy, or maybe not the only guy, but he's the best guy on this team as far as like, you know, creating something out of nothing. Um, he like periodically just hits really tough shots when nothing else is going for the team. I mean, it's like, I, I there's a whole different conversation about whether the fact that they even have him to rely on and the fact that those position, those possessions exist within their offense and the fact that it, because he's here almost like by default, it prevents them from trying stuff. That's more like, well, like what we saw from Miami on Friday night. Um, I, I think that's a bigger discussion, but for me, it, it's like, yes, they're they're They will be worse if they trade him for, for, essentially nothing and we'll get to what they could get for him. But to me, they still have to look to do it because I just think if the two most important pieces on this team are RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson, and I I would argue that they are, I don't think anyone's disagreeing. um, If you value using the next 52 games or however many there would be left when they traded him, um, I, I, I just, I think we have learned that the optimal roster for this team does not involve like you can't have those three guys together. They're three non-shooters at this point. You also have no point guards who could shoot. So I just don't think in the NBA where you have like teams like last night or two nights ago, um, by the time people are listening to this in Milwaukee, where they literally have shooting at every position, you can't have your, like your three, Again, Mark, Marcus Morris is probably their best player, but like three guys who demand so many minutes and none of them are the point guard and there needs to be a point guard on the floor at all times. I just don't think that could work. So from that philosophical standpoint, where where do you stand on like the necessity of trying to get rid of more or of uh, necessity of trying to get rid of Randall? Yeah, you're spot on. And I think you even tweeted about it where it's it's basically just and you, you said it as such. It's to unlock those guys. You need someone who can better space the floor and. Of course, Randall shot 34% from three last year. We were hoping that was a sign of at least some sort of consistency. And this season he's shooting, I want to say, 28% from three or 20. I'll I'll look it up. I'll look it up right now. It's 25% from three and he's been shooting 28% from three while under Mike Miller. And by the way, I don't think think a single three-pointer that he has taken this year has been uh, guarded. Right. Yeah. Because – why would it be? <laughs> <laughs> well, well said, sir. Uh, yeah, continue. Yeah, so in terms of a cohesive standpoint, I completely see where you're coming from. And if the Knicks want – it's the thing. Are the Knicks that much better if he's completely removed from the team? Because he scores in bunches. He takes the load off. But is it is it productive scoring? I mean it seems to me like constantly when he's – and I know, I know he has a habit of ISOing. We all know this. It seems like recently the only three things have really happened. Um, one, he has made it great. Two, um, he's just completely ignored other players and missed it. Uh, or three, right before he's about to turn the ball over, he gets fouled. And so it's the sort of thing where I do wonder if the younger players feel like, hey, you know, we we removed Fizdale from the equation. That's great because – Things just weren't flowing very well. Yeah. And Randall has fewer turnovers with Miller than he did with No, Fizzo, he's, he's, he's um, been he's, better of late. Right. But being better doesn't mean necessarily being good. And 
totally agree. It's a sense of removing him from the equation for the guys that you are trying to prioritize makes a lot of sense. It's just the Knicks made their bed, and this is something, and it kind of just a to lie in it. Well, that's <laughs> what, but that's what I wanted. To, that's what I was uh, implying before, which is that when you see a team like the Heat and they build an ecosystem such that a guy like Jimmy Butler could come in and literally walk into a role that spotlights him as a top ten player, um, and it'd be fucking easy for him. The Knicks did essentially the opposite, and they brought in a guy who, and again, this I'm uh, people smarter than me realized 100% this was going to happen. I was more like, well, hold on, let's wait and see. Maybe Dennis Smith Jr. learns to shoot, and, and maybe they stagger the minutes in such a way that they always have more shooting on the floor. No, 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 it hasn't, it hasn't happened. They, they constructed a, a roster with him as their centerpiece, which could not have been a worse roster, not only for him, which is why I think there's maybe a chance to trade him because I think another team would be able to um, put him in a situation where he could be a lot more successful, but also for the other the other key young pieces, as we've already said. And that's and that's that to me is like the most damning. Oh, there's a lot of damning things about the what what happened over the summer and and before leading up to the summer, but to me that's probably the most damning. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, okay. You want to uh, you want to talk about some some fake trade? What's more fun than talking fake trades? Let's talk some fake trades. Here are before I okay. I don't want to I don't want to do this too rapid fire, but I'm going to go through just the teams that I am eliminating like from contention as like they would have no desire or slash they don't have the um, requisite salary to uh, make a trade work. So are you ready? Yes, I'm going on off of hoops hoops hypes list of from highest uh, team salaries to lowest. So, um, and if I skip a team, that means I think we at least need to talk about them. So, Houston, um, no salary that works in a trade, especially since they can't trade um, Eric Gordon's contract this year. Uh, any disagreement? None. Golden State, no desire. Um, Old Oklahoma City, no desire. Uh, just pop in if you disagree with any of these. Uh, Detroit. No desire. They already have Blake Griffin, obviously. Um, do, do, do Clippers, they know uh, Randall ain't making a difference for them when it counts. Cleveland, no desire. Uh, Denver already has Paul Millsap. Um, no desire. Uh, Milwaukee, <laughs> uh, um, Orlando have has all the power forwards already. Um, Philadelphia, ditto. Um, well, they have Al Harford. That's really all that matters. Um, Washington, no desire. Uh, Brooklyn again, hardy har har. Uh, do do do. Memphis, no desire. Uh, San Antonio. I, I I'm I'm dismissing San Antonio. Right? They have our Aldridge starting at the four. There's no. Yeah, we don't have to talk yeah. about them. Uh, Toronto, ha. Lakers, ha. Dallas, no Dallas, uh, ha. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I, I have to vary my ha's a little bit. I, I don't I, I don't have many different. Hey, uh, here I'll reserve the hey hey for the next one. Boston, hey, that's funny. Um, New Orleans, yeah, no, we're not going home again. Um, do do do. Uh, Indiana, no. Uh, just again, no desire to make that that move. They already have their two big men. Uh, Atlanta, um, they are not looking to make a win now move this year. 
No disagreement about any of the teams I just mentioned? No, we're we're all set there. Okay, so um, I'm going to rattle off some teams, and you tell me, and, and I'll, I'll do a possible trade. And I'm going to try to get this from least feasible or least likely to ones that would at least consider possibly making a move. Um, Utah, I don't see Julius. I see Julius Randle being about the furthest thing from a Utah type of player as, as they could get. Um, that said, they're not, they don't really have a real power forward on this team. Um, there's, there was, you know, Zach Lowe speculated before the season that they might be interested in trading for, for Marcus Morris. Um, they could put together a package of Dante Exum and Ed Davis, both of whom do have salaries, uh, uh, guaranteed for next year. Um, but the financials for that would work. Um, you know, Utah ain't giving up a first round pick. Would Exum, Ed Davis, and a second round pick um, move the needle for you to get rid of Julius Randle? N- not, not really. No, because again, that. So you, th- Utah, you, just it, to be clear, you would say no to that deal. Correct. Again, but. Yeah. I, okay. Am I am I answering just for me, or am I also considering the front office's viewpoint from this? Because from the front office's standpoint, the trade you you actually, I mean, it does make sense. I don't think that there is a prayer that they make this trade. But no. Yeah. But it's the sort of thing where if you're looking at the next year's salary as a sunk cost to begin with, you are saving money in Dante Exum and Ed Davis. Um, problem is, of course, you're bringing in another guard who has been disappointing in his nba career yeah this I don't would be trust, theoretically made I'm, in conjunction with sending out um another one of of new york's uh, point guards but anyway right but even then you know i don't trust the knicks to fix dante exum to the point where they haven't fixed really any of their point guards as we speak um i don't really know how much value ed davis offers you yeah he's an expiring salary and i think for five million dollars you could probably well, for he's expiring next he's he's guaranteed right. it, for this sorry, year and next year yeah that's what i mean yes it's it's much nicer to break things up so that it's easier to trade pieces like you can't break up randall's contract but you can by trading with him and getting players back so you know i i want to say front office says no but i'm at the point where i just say sure but then again it's like one are you selling low on Randall by dealing him now. Two is his value going to really get that much higher to the point where what if it's at its highest point? I I think they could find a better deal with this if they're than this if they are actually committed to moving him. So I'm going to say I'm going to say no to. No, yeah. Um, Sacramento. Um, so you know you you never know with the Kings. (laughs) No, you really you really don't. So here's the interesting thing with the Kings. They have Dwayne Dedman on. They they signed him this summer to a three-year, $40 million contract that I am going to look it up right now. And I, if I've, you know, had prepared for this more thoroughly um, before uh, we started, uh, I would have done this already. But I'm fairly certain the last year of his contract is either fully non-guaranteed. Um, yeah, it's only $1 million guaranteed. So similar situation. So he's essentially guaranteed $26.5 million for the next two years. So, Dwayne Dedman for um for Randall would work financially. The question is what else would well, A, would Sacramento want to do this deal? And B, what would they what would they throw back in the deal? Um they don't really have any, I mean, other than like 
yeah, they don't really have any young players other than Harry Giles, who I just I don't I don't see the Knicks that being the the guy that they want. Um, you know, they ain't trading a first round pick. So Dwayne Dedman in a second for Randall, I, I think similar to Utah. I'm probably not doing this deal. You? Yeah, I just don't see why the Kings even do it. It's the sort of thing where yeah. Randall, it's just adding another. Bayalitsa spaces the floor for them. I mean, sure. yeah, it's, it's it would be. But then you've got Bagley, who's going to be prioritized. Yeah. So, so yeah, you could have Randall off of the bench. But and Holmes has been fucking awesome for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, yeah. You're right. They're, they probably said, yeah, no. Okay. I just, see, this is, we're already two teams off of the eight team list <laughs> that like, I was like, maybe if you squint hard enough and already there's nothing. Um, the Bulls, this is, again, you never know with the Bulls. Um, it would be, Christi- realistically, it would be Cristiano Felicio's salary along with Chris Dunn's salary. Um, I th- And it would they probably have to throw in something else, maybe Denzel Valentine, I guess. Um, but really, if you're the Knicks, again, you're not getting the Bulls draft pick. Um, you... Ch- do, this is the this is the pie in the sky. Is there any way that we could pry away Laurie Markkinen from the Bulls? I just don't see any scenario where the Bulls would be that foolish um, without the Knicks throwing in something else. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think you can get Lowry if the Knicks threw in a future first. Not necessarily their own, and it would have, or you know, it could be a Dallas. It would be some sort of protected pick because – the, the Bulls have no reason to really trade him right now because, again, his value is at its lowest point where – I mean there's more promise for him just based on age and you're playing on a rookie-scale salary. Sure, you can send other pieces. Like I, I do actually – I could see a world where Chris Dunn becomes a Nick this year. I don't think it's that plausible. But of course it really depends on who else is getting moved, if any players get hurt. I think the Bulls are are – going to do whatever they can to make the playoffs because their front office is under so much heat where they've I mean we're talking about Mills yeah being a leech no the, totally front office has has literally it's almost impossible to remove them. but if that's it was the same it, thing with the Wizards and now it's the Bulls if the that's Knicks. the case though they have to think that Julius Randle makes them a better team than Laurie Markkinen which is insane to me but um yes. I feel like I've been hearing rumblings about that they're Either fans aren't happy with marketing this year, or maybe the team isn't happy with marketing this year. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I wonder if there was anything the Knicks could throw, like if they could throw in like the two Charlotte seconds or whatever, or even like the protected Dallas pick. Like I would do that in a heartbeat. I just don't think that's going to be enough to pry marketing. Um, I don't know. Maybe well, they're happy. I'll tell you, I mean, Thad Young could be an option. Because I think he's... they like, see, I think they like Thad Young. Um, yes, very possibly. I mean, who, by the way, is this power forward that I wanted them to sign above all these (laughs) fucking guys this summer. But again, we're, that's besides the point. Yeah. I mean, Thad Young didn't really make sense to me for them for the off season. Like I I got Sadaransky. That made a lot of sense. Cause he's a pro. He plays the game, the right, the proverbial right way. He could hit a corner three, you know, um, Randall and say Wendell Carter Jr. Together. Is that really that much different from what we're seeing now. No, I, again, I'm not saying that this makes sense right. for the bulls. I'm just saying, I mean, this is the same team that matched on Zach Levine. Um, so it's like, yeah, a lot of people praise them for their summer, 
But, you know, this is the same team that has continued to employ Jim Boylan, who maybe is not um, the best coach in the world. Like, I, I don't I don't know. I just they're they're a team that I would at least. You know, I'd be I'd be I'd be curious. And if you're talking to, if you're if you're asking me what players in the league are worth giving up, you know, one of the Dallas picks for or, or you know, um even maybe more than one of the Dallas picks, maybe the Dallas pick and maybe the 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 Hornets, you know, one or two of those. I, I I'm a big Laurie Markinen fan. That's that's basically what I'm saying. So this it's a maybe. So we have a maybe here. I like a maybe. Um next up, the Suns. Do you think the Suns would be interested in Julius Randle? I mean, I think for Tyler Johnson, that would certainly be more palatable for them. Like enough matching salary, but no. <laughs> I mean, I, they're, they're, they've fallen very far out of – they caught the nice little bump to begin the season and yeah. playoff picture. And they've fallen pretty hard since then. But, I mean, for the Knicks, you really basically have to say it's Tyler Johnson or nothing. Because they're not going to trade Booker, as we obviously. Oh know. no, no, no! Ruby this is, is not going this, anywhere. This is Ruby basically. Is uh, yeah, I mean, take him in terms of fit. Um. I, well, right now they're starting Sarich at power forward. Um. He, you know, um. He he was great for them early. I, I honestly don't know how in love with him they are or are not. Um. Frank Kaminsky is their backup. Uh. For I don't think that's working out so great. Um, I don't know. Do they, would they want to move Randall into the starting lineup and have Sarge coming off the bench? And like, that could, that could maybe work. The question is like, okay, if they want him, what are the Knicks getting aside from, aside from Tyler Johnson? Um, you're not getting a future first from, from Phoenix. I mean, would they, but then again, Phoenix does some dumb shit. Yeah, absolutely. But then what? The way I look at it is, is the salary commitment that we're taking on is the asset. Maybe there's more to it in terms of like a second round pick or even like Mikhail Bridges, for example. Well, he, Tyler he Johnson is expiring year. this year. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. But that's what I'm saying where Phoenix kind of says to the Knicks, you could take Tyler Johnson – uh, oh, you're we'll saying Phoenix on, on says Randall. we're taking on Randall's salary and that's the that's what we're doing for you. That's the bulk of the of the asset here. Uh, we will gladly take on your bad salary in exchange for another power forward um, who we can kind of have. In- At the end of the day, I just I don't. It doesn't feel like the cleanest of of matchups. Yeah, I- like again, if it's. If- it's just for Tyler Johnson salary wise. I think it it makes more sense than what we've discussed. It's just again what the what the direction is to go after that for the New York. Um. Well, it's. I mean, that's an interesting question. Um. I. I don't know. I. To me, Phoenix has done enough kooky shit in the past. Which again, um, who are who are we? The Knicks, the throw stones. We've been living in a glass house for twenty years. Um. I don't know. It's. It's. It's interesting to me, and I just, I don't know. I just wonder if Phoenix would be able to talk themselves into, like, ooh, Randall, Aiton, Booker, Rubio, 
that's you know that's a lot of names there it's it's <laughs> um and like could you could you ever get them to give a pick that is so like they have the they do have the um the bucks protected pick i i believe they still have that um i'm going to actually look that up right now they don't they it, did that convey um i'm going to i'm looking it up right or now. it was traded i just, just i know for a fact they don't currently have it um here i'm looking up what uh what picks they have right now this is this is real time action for you folks at home um, they've got first in yeah, they have no they have no picks incoming. They, so they did deal it away. Who who did they? Yeah, and they've got with? their second round pick from twenty twenty two onward. Yeah, but um, nothing this year, nothing next. I don't know. Would would they be dumb enough to trade a future protected first round pick? I don't. Um, I don't think that they would. And like you said, they they owe their second round pick in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. So to me, I'm not I'm not trading Randall for uh, for Tyler Johnson and the twenty twenty two Phoenix second rounder. Um, although I'm keeping that trade in my back pocket if I can't find <laughs> anything better. All right. Um, let's talk about some teams that um I think there's actually there actually might be real real interest. Um actually no, let's get one more out of the way. I didn't mention the Heat before. The only reason I say the Heat is because I think and I think the Heat are going big game hunting. I don't think they have an interest in like Julius Randle being their addition, but they have salary that they want to get rid of. Like James Johnson has a player option for $16 million next year. They would love to get rid of that salary. Um, they don't have any picks to trade. Uh, they're not giving away any of their young players. Like, But again, it's like you're talking James Johnson and like a future Heat second rounder. I just, I don't think the Knicks are doing that. Um, no. And you know how we talked at the beginning of the podcast about ball movement? Yeah. I'm sure Miami's salivating at the idea of Julius <laughs> okay. gumming up the works, whereas like Jimmy Butler's in transition and Randall just looks him off and just completely misses it in transition. Mean, like, the point being, I, I I see what you're saying. That was, that was a very polite like way adding- of telling me that Miami <laughs> should have been on my initial list of teams to cross off. So that's yes, that, that's my bad. Um, another team that maybe is in that category, because, but they actually play a lot of isolation ball just with guys who are actually good at it. Um, is Portland. So again, Portland has the Baysmore salary. Um, we don't know what Portland wants to do with the rest of their season. They are currently sitting um well, they are currently sitting in the eighth spot in the playoffs. I that should not be a surprise to anyone. They're not a team that gives up on seasons. Um you know, I I don't it's a similar question that we've asked several times. Are you getting a future protected first round pick? Um, for from them, are you getting this uh, an Anthony Simons? Are you getting an Asir Little? I just don't see them giving up any of those things for um for Julius Randle. Am I am I wrong? No, you're absolutely correct. I I think that the Blazers it makes a lot more sense for them to wait on a player like Kevin Love and see. What his value is? Well, first, yeah, know? but he makes so much money; it's so tough. I mean, they do have the the white side contract, obviously, but and you're getting but, Nurkic back. Yeah, but the Cavs are going to demand a real. I think. I think the Cavs are going to demand a real asset. Um, in that trade, yeah, and I'm sure you know they could probably they can afford to give one up. But the other thing is that the Cavs also are kind of against the clock because with Kevin Love, his, his contract just keeps on ticking. I'm sure that they can find a time to move him, but. And this is kind of like what I was going back to with the Knicks, where 
we talk about regression in terms of, you know, like what happens to Marcus Morris doesn't start shooting, shooting 50% from three, sure, things yeah. like that. And I, and I understand what you're saying. It's like, he kind of is what he is, but the one thing you really can't predict is the potential for injury. Yeah, no, that's And we true. know that Kevin Love has, has really dealt with that in the past. So if you can get an asset off of your hands while it's healthy, and then it's kind of like buyer's remorse, if that player goes down, that's the sort of thing we're looking at. And I'm sure that that Portland even weighs this heavily, where it's like there's a reason why there there, there is uh, a disagreement among in the league amongst like what Kevin is going to cost some sort of asset to get him. But I don't think it's – I think there's going to have to be some sort of compromise to the point where it might even be – I was going to say the uh, the Conley trade, but then the Jazz even gave up, gave up a pick for it. Yeah, I – so. I, Maybe it's more like the Conley trade when it was going to go to Charlotte, right? Because wasn't that wasn't there that discussion? Or it was Gasol, excuse me. Yeah, it was Gasol, Gasol was going to go to Charlotte, and uh, he went he went to Toronto instead. But Charlotte wasn't going to give up a first round pick for him. And they're two different players, and you're getting one for a lot longer, and they offer you very different things. But one's also a lot more healthy, a lot healthier than the other ones. So. I do. I do think Portland makes sense as a trade partner for the Knicks. I just don't think Julius Randle is that player that goes back to them. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, they, they started Anthony Tolliver at power forward um, the last game they played. So it, it you know, because I guess Anthony Carmelo is a little hurt. Um, they're they're very thin at the position. I, there's enough shooting, you know, there. Not with Whiteside on the floor. Whiteside and and Randall is like, oh my god, that's worse than than. Uh, Robinson and Randall. So uh, yeah, probably not. Um, but I, I thought they were at least worth a mention. Two teams left. The Minnesota Timberwolves. Um and Sorry, the, I'm just I'm just laughing at the idea of how, how little leverage there is now. Yeah. No, it's like we, like you <laughs> could see why like that that's why I kinda wanted to do this for all the people who are like, trade Julius Randall. Okay, well, let's see if how easy it is to trade Julius Randall, folks. Um the Timberwolves and the Hornets. So the Timberwolves currently um, aren't uh, starting a power forward. They're just they're throwing out um, basically a lineup of Shabazz Napier, three wings, and then Towns. Although Towns was um, was out the last game they they played as well. That actually the aforementioned game against Portland. Um, Minnesota is now ten and eighteen. They have fallen out of really any contention for the playoffs in the West. Um, they seemed to, they seem to have found religion um, as far as they brought in. Um, oh God, I'm blanking on his name. The guy that they got from the Rockets organization who, who seems to have a very more modern approach to, to basketball. Um, I don't see them being interested in Randall. Um, unless, unless, the Knicks took back a guy. Do you do you know where I'm going with this one, Jeremy? Please Who? tell me his name doesn't remind, doesn't rhyme with Mandrew Giggins. <laughs> I was wondering what direction you were gonna go. You could have gone Giggins. You could have <laughs> gone Biggins. You could have gone uh, Viggins. Viggins. I like that. Viggins. It's Viggins. like if if a, if a German pronounced a German person pronounced Wiggins. Um, <laughs> I, the Knicks wouldn't be, they wouldn't be dumb enough to, uh, to do this, would they? And, and actually, wait, hold on. Let, let me, let me, uh, before I get to that, A, would the Knicks be dumb enough to do this? But B, 
if the if the Knicks took on Gorgie Jang, like Randall does kind of make sense next to Towns because of Towns shooting. And like Wiggins is shooting a little bit this year. Covington can obviously shoot it. Maybe, you know, it's like they have shoot they have enough shooters on that team, but the most important one is Towns. I just yeah, I don't okay. So I don't know. Do, do you think Minnesota would do this trade? Would would want Randall if it didn't involve unloading Wiggins? And do you think the Knicks would be dumb enough to take on Andrew Wiggins? Um, you know, we could say like, oh, of course the Knicks aren't going to. And and honestly, I really don't think they would really just kind of again kick the can down the road for free agency. Them take high cap hit until twenty twenty three. Just doesn't, it, it's completely out of their element. I mean, I don't think Dolan would even like, sign get, off on it. No, no, I, I don't think so either. Yeah, I, I see of all of the things we talked about, this does make more sense. And I think the biggest thing for Minnesota is based on their financial commitments, the only way that they can really acquire talent in any way is through the trade and yeah. the draft. Yeah. Okay, so two ways, but the draft you're not going to get very NBA ready talent per se, unless they rise up so far that they're, they luck into like an Anthony Edwards type player. No, it would take a lot Um, of luck. Yeah. Right. So yes, if you have matching salary and if you feel like things up with Julius Randall, I get it. Like it, it, you know, even a situation where if you're taking back Jeff Teague and you're sending out Randall Nesmith Jr. Like if I'm the, the wolves, that's not, Super appetite. That's um, so they get sort of they get where, Randall and Dennis Smith Jr. and we'd get Teague. I mean, we could really go crazy, and we could do uh, freaking uh, Portis, Randall, and and Smith for Jang, Jang, and and Teague, and maybe a, a young player. I don't. Know. I I just the more we're talking about this, I just I don't see Minnesota being interested in Julius Randall. Like, would they really? Yeah, I yeah, agree. But uh, I would say of the teams that we've discussed, they make more sense as to why they would make an upgrade that way. Yeah, I yeah, I suppose. All right. But see, but even then, it's, you know. Yeah. No, it's not it's sense. not likely. Um let's talk about our last team, a team that um is the team that apparently outbid the Knicks for the the other guy besides Joyce Randall that they really 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 wanted this summer. Uh Terry Rogier, uh the Charlotte uh Bob Hornicats, uh, the Charlotte flying Michael Jordans. Um, they have, so they have some stuff to trade and I don't want to, we could go down a lot of rabbit holes on this one. We could talk about, you know, the Knicks taking on Nicholas Batum and his, not only his $25 million salary this year, but $27 million salary next year. And the Charlotte, is it worth it? And obviously there would need to be more salary going back, um, to Charlotte in that deal. Um, like a Wayne Ellington, I guess. Um, does Charlotte want to get rid of Batum? Um, Bismack Biombo uh is actually playing meaningful minutes for for Charlotte. Um, here and there, uh, seventeen million dollars. Um, he fits. Uh, Michael K. Gilchrist, uh, only thirteen million, but he's not you know playing. I don't think that much. Last I checked, I could be wrong. I'll I'll check that again. Um, I. I you know they obviously they've had their issues getting free agents to sign there much like Minnesota but unlike Minnesota who I think is well run enough now to know that like there's like 
going for like the eighth seed this year would just be foolishness. The Charlotte Hornets sitting at 13 and 19, folks, um, they could talk themselves into a run at the eighth seed. I, I, I don't know. What Isn't that we- like the Hornets motto every single year? Even when they had Kemba? It's like, oh, yeah, we, we could, we could, we're close enough to the playoffs. But then I, it never feels like they this, actually really make it or progress. This is the team to me that makes the most sense for a Randall trade for a couple of reasons. One, I think the fact that Jordan is still there and still has some influence. Um, and also, by the way, didn't Mitch, Mitch Kupchak draft Julius Randall? That he did. Yeah. I'm fairly yeah, he did. Um, Mitch Kupchak obviously is the, the guy running um the Hornets right now. Um, he's a name. Um and Dennis Smith Jr. is from Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Maybe could use a new home in his own right. Um Julius Randle and Dennis Smith Jr. for Nicholas Batum. I think those salaries work out okay. Um, we already have their two second round picks. The question becomes, would the Hornets be crazy enough to trade one of their own first round picks? Um, and if so, what would the protections on that pick look like? I just, I still have a hard time seeing them trading a first, you know, like they've got a lot of seconds and of course the Knicks have their seconds for the next two years. It'd be pretty hilarious if the Knicks traded Randall to the Hornets and he brought them down and then the, their second round pick rose in in value as a result of it. Like that would be a sleeper agent kind of thing. They have a lot of second round picks incoming. I ju- Here's the thing. They, if, yeah, they've got three. If I'm, ta- four, if I'm giving up on Smith and I'm taking on Nicholas Batum, um, I need I need a real... I need a real, I need a real thing. I need a real something. Um, I don't, I don't know what the real something is, but I need a real something. And like looking at the the picks that the Hornets have, they have, they have the 2020 Cleveland pick. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. But it's not, it's not enough. I don't think. What about, what about the 2020 Cleveland pick and that's, Malik. The problem is that's protected. Oh, it's protected 31 to 53. I, I should probably read below. Okay, so forget about that. Um, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. They're the first round. Well, oh, wait, no, that's the Boston pick. We're, we're all over the place here. Cleveland's yeah. tw- 2020 second round pick to Charlotte via Orlando to LA yes. Clippers. Yeah, no, that's that no, is, that's fine. That is sorry, Cleveland's I, 2020 pick. Yes, um, I thought you, I thought when you were talking about pick, you're talking about the first, which is a protected pick, but that. That wouldn't be going to Charlotte anyway. So yeah, so you know that's um that's a that's a real thing. And then Malik Monk is 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 how much how much do you want to take a chance on on Malik Monk? I don't uh, I don't know about that one. Yeah, I w- I wasn't too hot on him coming out of school. You know, in terms of salary, it, but then, well, actually, salary it kind of pushes things up a little bit. Things get a little bit more uh, hectic because that's 32 going out to New York. And then with uh, Randall and Smith, it's like 24. So you, you would even need to add another piece. So I mean, fine. If you throw, to make throw Wayne a- Ellington into the deal. Great. 
Right. Or even, um, yeah, well, for salary sake, sure. That works. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's the sort of thing where it, it does make sense. Um, again, I still, I still feel like Randall plays better with someone who in the front court can stretch things out. Um, Biz, not, Biamo doesn't, uh, he, he's not, he's not doing it for you there. <laughs> yeah. With his zero three point attempts this year, he does unfortunately not. I'm pretty sure um, if they threw him the ball on the, uh, behind the three point line with the intention of, of having him do something with it, he would explode and we'd have pieces of Bismack Biambo all over the court. <laughs> I think that's, that would actually happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, no, but you, you are right in terms of if this is, they have enough matching salary, expiring salary too, where, I mean, it, of course, if, if you throw in Batum instead, then things get a lot crazier. I still do wonder. I doubt it. Believe, like, let me preface this by saying I do expect Batum to pick up his option because he's got twenty-seven million dollars. He's gonna pick yeah, that right. option up at the fucking the moment the clock strikes midnight. He's gonna be laughing yeah. all the way to the bank. Of course, and he should be. The only thing I was gonna say was, unless you were able to work out a deal where it was longer term. Like, um, like, you know, $8 million a year. Cause I don't think he's going to get $8 million a year, wherever he were to go. Like if he got eight years, three oh, years, I see what you're eight, saying. You want him like to decline he, the option and then resign for like longer years, less. No, we're not, we're not playing that game. with right, Nicholas. I, I wouldn't even want that to be. Sorry. Human. I think he's absolutely locking in because why really like, why wouldn't he? Um, listen, bring yeah, on Nicholas Batum. Let him speak to Frank in French and, and, and see what he could. Here, you know what? I got it. It just hit me. How did I not see this before? Okay. Give back Charlotte their two own second rounders in this deal but you're, and give them Dennis Smith Jr. and take back Miles Bridges because apparently it was the workout against Miles Bridges that got Kevin Knox drafted by the Knicks. So then... Once Miles Bridges is on the Knicks, Kevin Knox is just going to turn into the player that he was in that workout, and he's going to be fucking LeBron James. And then we can stop having <laughs> these discussions. He's only going to be LeBron in practice. No, it's going to tra- it's going to translate onto the court, Jeremy. I'm telling you, uh-huh. it's going to translate uh-huh. onto the court. That <laughs> this is going to this is going to be the trade that this is going to be like. Um, I'm trying. This is going to be like the the Celtics when they traded for um, uh, Joe Barry Carroll when they traded him for. Um, Kevin McHale and, and Robert Parrish. This is going to be the equivalent of that trade. I'm telling you. <laughs> Joe, ba- Joe Bailey right. cares. Randall, Randall kind of cares, sort of cares. Not really cares. <laughs> oh, goodness. We've, we've gone off the rails as we usually do. Yeah. Again, it's, I'm so curious as to what this front office feels in terms of not just optics, but how they view the sphere. Because if you're trading Randall and Dennis Jr. for Batum, I mean, you're taking on more money. Fine, so be it. But those are those are committed salaries anyway. And if you're getting an asset back, it's perfect. But I just, if they, I feel like if they didn't really do it this summer, and I understand that there weren't many opportunities to do it. Believe me, I do. But I feel like if if they didn't keep the option open, or at least from a, a salary perspective, where they went and signed all these guys, maybe when they they didn't absolutely have to, and they could have kept money available in terms of cap space to absorb instead of sending something back. I don't know. It just, I feel like they would have, they would have, we would know by now, but it, it doesn't seem like they're really in the asset hoarding situation. I think they, hopefully they've, they've learned 
and hopefully they change gears a bit. But it's just with Randall, I, I do like you're saying it's I do really wonder if they look at what he's going through right now. They don't want to sell low and then want to do that from their own perspectives. It's like we've failed. Yeah, and no, it's failing at yeah. the garden is is a death sentence. No, you're, you're there again. It's this any most of these trades. I think would be akin to um, again, unless somebody like a Phoenix or a Charlotte or or basically a Phoenix or a Charlotte um, does something stupid. I um, it would it would be uh, it would be signing their pink slip, even even if it would make sense for the long term health um, of the organization. Which again, I I would argue um, that it would. Okay, Jeremy, um, we have talked fake trades for long enough for today, at least. We'll we'll get into some some other ones, I'm sure, in future podcasts. Um, before we go, anything you want to uh, mention, plug, promote? Yeah, I uh, I had the honor of going on to uh, Terry and Trey's YouTube show. Uh, basically, what's going to happen is there's going to be a couple uh, decade things that might pop out. I, I was doing it with Alex Wolf. We had a great time yesterday, and. And, um, I'm really excited for, for what's to come. It was, it was just, you know, there were so many awful things that happened this decade, but it was nice to also relive some of the good ones too. So it was both cathartic and celebratory. Okay. Well, that's, yeah. uh, that's pretty cool. I'm excited for that. I love everything Terry and Trey produce. Um, I love, uh, I love whenever Alex gets his hands and stuff and, uh, you're obviously your, your talent, um, you know, precede you goes without saying. So, uh, yeah, no, this is all, that's good stuff to look forward to. Um, everybody out there listening, um, what should I say before we sign off? Subscribe to the Knicks Film School newsletter if you haven't already, um, because it's free and it comes to your inbox, um, every weekday. Although I think I'm probably going to take Christmas off. Just putting that out there. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, take a day off every now and then. (laughs) Um, anyway, uh, thanks for listening to another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. We will be back with you with another episode very soon. Uh, until then, enjoy your um, Christmas. Merry Christmas. Week. Yes. Well, I think we're gonna actually have. I'm gonna. Have, uh, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna have uh, Spencer on for uh, a little. Um, the, the what really matters to the season, which is a little draft prospect review. Um, I think coming on tomorrow, but um, well, I won't be on. So you I will not wish be everyone. On. So you, Kwanzaa, whatever it may be, whatever you celebrate. There you go. Um, I love it. All right, we'll talk to everybody later. Peace out.